Okay, so we're just about getting ready to get set and head out for the convention this morning. I've just checked my bag and all my stuff's ready. Got a trusty can of Monster Mango Loco in case I get tired, which I'm already tired, so chances are high. So we're going to be setting off in a few moments. Travel down to the local library where the con's being held, and we're just going to see how things go. My first time in ages running 5th edition, albeit a basic version, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And it's always a bit nerve-wracking when it's going to be running games for people you don't know, although there should be a few familiar faces down there, and I'll try and get a few recordings throughout the day if I can, and stitch together with this to make some form of podcast episode about the convention. So, catch you in a bit. Okay, so we're on our way to the con now. As my wife said, the weather's pretty shitty. Walking past Birkin Station. So, how you feeling early in the morning, love? It's eight o'clock. So there you go. Hannah's all fired up, as you can hear. Seriously, no, she's helping me out a lot by coming down and assisting with setup and stuff on one of her rare weekend days off. So that's very much appreciated, sweetie. And we'll pick up when we get there. Catch you in a bit. Okay, so we've made it to the Burton Library. We've just finished setting up, got a couple of tables, got all the various assorted, meticulously handcrafted maps and stuff. And when I say meticulously handcrafted, I mean drawn by me with a Sharpie sort of a couple of days ago. But I do have Pete Jones of Dragons All Real down here and a fellow Purple Worm podcast co-host. So how are you doing this morning then, Pete? I'm fine, thank you, John. So we're just sort of like waiting to see who's going to turn up now. We've got Bruce over there setting up his um, master mace stuff. You'll have to shout up Bruce, it's audio only. How you doing? All right, hello. <laughs> so, how much did that um, that sort of maze scenery set you about then, Bruce? Um, it's all 3D printed. Oh, nice. So, it's time rather than money with 3D printers, I tell people. Um, it's hard to sort of cost up, but an individual tile is about 15 pence. Okay, in terms wow. of materials and electricity. Uh, there's probably 200 individual tiles there. Yeah. Three to four hours per, per printing per tile, so hundreds and hundreds of hours of printing. The painting is all a massive cheat, it's all um, dry, dry brushed. Brush. Yeah, yeah. Um, but don't, it's don't fun, matter. and I run the probably 95% of my RPGs here at the mine, but every now and then it's nice to put together a set. Yeah, it's a nice visual spectacle, isn't yeah. it? And it's a bit cheaper than Dwarven Forge as well. I, I don't get me wrong, love Dwarf and Forge stuff. Yeah, I mean, but, we, but it's we, a little too steep for my budget. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, we've got a few boxes of like the old, old like sort yeah. of dwarven like master mm. maze stuff, but but it's it's not it's not, it's beautiful. Well, it is beautiful, yeah. But it but it is not cheap yeah. at all. I, I mean, you could you could certainly get that level of quality, I think, from, from the 3D printing. Uh, mine. Maybe not so, but, you know, it's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of people... I mean, I don't, I've no great experience of 3D printing myself, but I've heard it's a, a lot to do with, like, tweaking the settings, you know, make sure it's all, like, aligned and stuff like that so you don't get seams and whatnot on yeah. things. Yeah. But there's, it, it's, uh, it's certainly not for faint heart. So yeah, you need to you need to be a nerd, you know. You need to be prepared to tinker with stuff. Uh, I've got my, I'm loving like the little lights and the the sort of yeah, little altars there, beautiful. The, the torches on yeah. The I imagine like this is something where if you had a few of them set up and you know you had like dim the lights down in a room, that'd yeah. look amazing. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of smoke maybe. Yeah, exactly. I want a bit of dry <laughs> yeah, ice. Those, those, uh, those tea lights are good as well, aren't they for for campfires? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, the yeah, tea see. lights and the, the little. Uh, yeah, we've done a few bits where we've had like um, Hannah's like made like campfires and yeah. you know you put sort of foil in the base and tea lights yeah. into it, sort of mm-hmm. twinkles and stuff like yeah, that. Put a bit of cotton wool for smoke, can't you? That's it, exactly. Yeah. 
So you're going to be running DCC. Going to run some DCC blank bar and probably some white box. Um, the uh, so never never get the name of this one right. It's sort of wizardry, wizardry based. It's the fantasy medieval adventure game. So yeah. basically, it's, a, it's old school D&D. Yeah, yeah. No I find that's that. nice and easy with a sending armor class to just just to make my life and easy. The, and the box is cheap on Amazon and Lulu. Absolutely, as well. you can pick that up for four or five quid. Yeah. Um, of course, if anybody does want to buy stuff today, we'll be sending them to Spirit Games. But um, yeah, yeah. You know. There you go. Get a get a nice plug in for the yes. for the local <laughs> shop, Phil and Sal there at Phil, Spirit Games. Phil and Sal used to be my friendly local gaming store when I lived in Burton many years yeah. ago. And I, do, I do miss having some uh, some of awesome the middles. Well, like I say, as, as we were just saying, my wife worked there like years and years yeah. ago. So uh, yeah, it's, funny. it's a small world. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we've got um, Bruce set up running some DCC. I'm going to be potentially doing some fifth edition sort of stuff. So I was going to be doing some old school essentials, yeah. but um, a friend of ours sort of challenged me to try and do some like fifth edition because I've been sort of a bit like eh, when it comes to like fifth edition. But um, a friend, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And a friend of mine was saying, um, well, you if you give it a look and you take out some of the little bits maybe you don't like, which let's face it, we all do anyway. Yeah. It's like it's still just. D and D D twenty system think it features the big thing in it. Take, yeah. take that out and you're getting back to a. Well, like I said, I've got that. Um, I've got a copy of the basic rules. I've just sort of like the free ones available. That I've just like shrunk down to A five and printed out like on Lulu. So, and it's it's a perfectly serviceable game. You know, four classes, basic races. Some of the op there's not all the options in there, but for like pre gens and stuff like that, and just a quick introduction game. Yeah, it's it's nice. Fantastic. So, right. Well, I'll cut off there and I'm sure I'll record something later on. Okay, so we just finished our second game of the Barra Maze and I'm here with some likely looking suspects. I'm here with Shandy Andy, Barry Robertson, and Pete Jones. You may recognize some of their voices from many of the different anchor podcasts. Obviously, I do Red Dice Diaries, Pete does Dragons Are Real. And you do Unguarded Trevor. Unguarded Trevor, that's it. And Shadow of the DM. And Shadow of the DM, yeah. And how have you guys been finding the convention so far? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoying it. Yeah, so it, it's been a fairly sort of, it, it's not a role play centric con, really, is it? No. We've only got really sort of two or three tables doing like role play, and it's all it's all fairly sort of simple stuff but, but they've been packed out haven't yeah, they yeah. Tables, yeah. And I'm quite enjoying like, the relaxed pace I mean yeah. obviously I enjoy doing like the UK games expo like games on demand but it's quite like frantic it's like you're literally gaming or GMing non-stop whereas it's a bit more relaxing you can get up stretch your legs stuff like that and it's nice to see some kids uh, wandering around as well some youngsters so they're yeah my, my two kids are here they're having a great time with the Harry Potter stuff yeah. and... so, so how have you guys been finding the games no pressure given that I Gem them for you. So look, two, two deaths, so it's very OSR for Mr. Green, is 5e. Yeah, well, since we got rid of the death saves in 5th edition and we're using Barrow Maze, there's just been a few deaths. Death by Crocodile, um, what other deaths have we had? What were the Death by Spear? Oh, yeah, Death by Spear from some Catterid sort of column guardian thingies. Lizard men. Lizard men, yeah. Lizard men deaths, yeah. So there's been quite a lot of deaths going on. Yep. A nice variety of deaths, which is what we like in OSR. And we're now just having a bit of a break, having a bit of food, stuff like that. So. And, yeah. and, and fifth edition is working well for the game. Yeah, as, as a player, I'm I'm, su- I'm surprised at how well it's worked as a, from a gem perspective. I've run it before, the full sort of enchilada, as it were, and it didn't really click with me. But 
I don't know whether it's Colin saying, like, you know, if you ignore the bits you don't like, yeah. it's just yeah. D&D, it's isn't advice. it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's great advice. And, um, like a lot of simple advice, it hadn't occurred to me, to be honest. <laughs> but um, you don't yeah. need any of your fancy um, hacks of it to just get the basic rules, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of having, I mean, I don't know about when you're genning characters, but having the pre-gens, it's been nice and simple just to like, yeah. slide into. I, I'm always fine with pre-gens. I don't understand why people... Uh, a resistance to yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it for like one shots and like yeah, con yes, games oh, yes, agreed, but yeah. for a campaign yeah. I do like yeah. to have yeah. a bit more in fact, input for a one shot it's better because you otherwise you can end up spending an hour actually yeah. in the character yeah. but you haven't got that time. well to be fair I say that I mean 9 times out of 10 when I play an OSR game I just randomly roll up and yeah. roll with yeah. whatever I get so I don't really have any choice about it so it's like that illusion of choice isn't it and yeah. you've plenty of choice here with the pre-gens haven't you because you've got like 12-15 pre-gens so yeah, well, I mean, the, the free D&D, like, for the different basic rules, has only got, like, the standard four classes yeah. in it, so I've done a human of each of them and then a few demi-humans, so... But, yeah, it seems to be working pretty well. It does. Right. Well, we're going to go and have some food now, so we'll love you and leave you, and I might record something a bit later on. Catch you in a bit. So we've just got back from the convention, thanks to Pete giving us a lift and to Spirit Games for lending us some miniatures and the like, which Hannah was kind enough to go and get, so that helped us out in a pinch. Hopefully, if they're doing the convention again next year, we can send more people sort of Spirit Games way, and myself and Bruce were speaking about the person in charge about that in the future, so fingers crossed that'll be all good. I think, how many games of Missions of Baramay still are run today? Four sessions, I think it was yeah, three or four sessions. Yeah. Um, and, and we had, uh, what was it, two, four character deaths, was it, during the yeah. uh, through various means. But which I think goes to show that if you don't use those, um, those sort of death save rules and whatnot in fifth edition, it is pretty much as deadly as an OSR game, I'd yeah. say. I mean, yeah. but, um, obviously, we, we've got Pete and Matthew Bryan, aka Danny McGee, here. With us, uh, I've seen my, my, my lovely wife, Hannah, who's been kindly running around after me like a madhead all day, making sure I know what's going on, that I know where my laptop is, and various other things like that. Drink. Yeah, that I've got a drink, all sort of very nice, thoughtful stuff like that, so thank you very much, love. So, in terms of the, the games, how did, um, how did you guys find it, Pete and Matthew? Great, I only got to play, like single session uh, so I sort of like a taster but yeah. I enjoyed it I thought it was very interesting I like the uh, concept of the Boromirs we went through yeah so I'm, one of the things I've been enjoying about it is it was like it was quite sort of informal yeah. like, obviously a lot of conjuring you have to have your tickets you have yeah. to everything's, everything's a bit more sort of formalised which I understand you know if you've got like UK Games Expo yeah. they couldn't have done it in the same way as this convention because it's too big um, and we had, a, we had a new player as well a new role player what yeah, we, yeah, we had that young lass who was yeah. um, playing that dwarven fighter who got eaten by a crocodile, unfortunately, in the um, Barrow Moor. Oh, yeah, a, 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 a scaly yeah. land shark, <laughs> as it was christened, uh, because um, during her watch in the evening, they were attacked by a number of crocodiles, and for some reason, she woke up her companions by shouting, Shark! <laughs> so uh, we, we christened that the scaly land shark, and unfortunately, she was bitten in two by one of them. But both her and her young fella seemed to have an enjoyable time. I don't know, I've certainly enjoyed running yeah. it. I hope you guys have enjoyed playing yeah. it. Like I said, I know it's you only awesome. really got like a bit of a taster, Matthew, but uh, hopefully if they do it again next year, 
to maybe look at running something out. So from the perspective of someone who's just been running around like a madhead, love, how, how did you find the convention? Yeah, it, it was a little mini convention in the library. It, it was all right, you know, everybody seemed quite friendly. The stormtroopers were friendlier than they usually are. <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice little mix because it, it almost reminded me of um, like a sort of mini UK Games Expo. Yeah. So obviously in the UK Games Expo there's like massive spaces divided for different things where you get people moving between them. Whereas this was very much sort of small like local authors, um, people running games, etc. Or like in a little library, obviously people doing the normal library stuff. It was all quite relaxed. Nothing was too high pressure. So I quite enjoyed that, to be and, honest. And, and the cafe was very good as well? Oh, yeah, the cafe it was brilliant. That, Table that, service. That coronation chicken sandwich I had was pucker. Yeah. As I say, it's nice to bring in some, like, local people for the library, you know, to make some cash for them, keep them going. Yeah. That's it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we know now, we're saying about, on the way back, about like, public services sort of struggling for money. I mean, libraries are no exception, yeah, really. So. I mean, they're not really, like, a money-making concern, are they? But, no. you know especially right now when you can pretty much access any book you want or any information on the internet, I, I expect the attendance at libraries has sort of fallen off quite yeah, a bit. Right, yeah. So obviously anything we can do to sort of keep them going or help support them, it's all good. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but some of the first role-play games I remember reading were like the two role-play books they had in that same library, <laughs> which was a bit smaller when I was younger. But um, they had like... Um, they had a book called Fantasy Wargaming by a guy called Martin Hackett that I've, I've actually oh, got a copy that, of, and um, The Riddling Reaver. Riddling Reaver, yeah. Those were the only two books that were in there, and I've, I'm lucky enough to have copies of both of them, so they're quite nostalgic for me. But, yeah, I think that's probably... Has anyone got anything else to report about the con? No, surprising what trade there as well. Like trade is like different stalls there. Yeah, yeah well, originally it started off as... Um, a sort of like last year was like an author's signing you know local authors bring their books etc like show their wares and then they they expanded it they asked Bruce uh, they asked him to run a few games and that was quite popular so this year they said to him oh, would you would you run some extra games and he reached out to me because obviously I'm local and said and we know each other from UK Games Expo Games on Demand there you go there's a free free plug for your dark PR Lloyd Jan <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I sort of went down to help out that, and Hannah was kind enough to help me out with it. But um, it originally started off, like I say, an author's sort of thing, rather than an actual like gaming mm. convention. And I think as they've sort of done it this time, they've added on like the craft elements yeah. and stuff like that, which is nice to see. You know, I mean, Next one hand washes the other, doesn't it? Can yeah. you take a copy of each of your books down with you? Well, oh, like two of them. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my vast plethora of authorial but, talent. That's twice as many as at least one of the people that was down there signing books. <laughs> oh, wow. But um, I think, I've only got behind the walls, haven't I? Well, the middle Great, Great London. There was the oh, yeah, yeah. Monsters yeah. thing. And oh, yeah, I was... I know you've not done many books entirely on your own, but you've contributed yeah. to many, That's because I'm many scared books. of the dog and I don't like to be on my own. <laughs> that should be a title of one of your books. Should do. Yes. That's got OSR Adventure written all over yes, it. Throw a random mushroom table in, and I'll be all over it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and we were talking about potentially doing um, doing like a sort of two zine thing, weren't we? With like a little sort of uh, town you setting in your sort of Mary Queen of Scots themed yeah. adventure, which are... Marie Queen of Scots, John. Well, that, that, that's if we do it for the Midlands. Otherwise, we'll have to file the serial numbers. Yeah. I think oh, a bit right. more. Okay, but. Um, 
that's fine. And uh, there's, there's quite a few artists down there, which is always cool. I've got like quite a few of their cards because you know potentially when we're looking for art for, for this two zine thing, which we're hoping maybe to do not this year but next year for Zine Quest if they do it again. So, but we'll see how that goes. Obviously, it depends on our commitments and stuff like that. But yeah, all in all, it's been a really enjoyable day, and that's pretty much my Red Dice Diaries Red Hot Report for this convention. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought I'd make you happy. So. <laughs> We will all hopefully see you soon. So take care. Red dice hot take, that's right. Right, take it easy, guys. We'll catch you soon. Okay, so we're recording. This is myself and Matthew Ryan, aka Danny McGee, sat in the the lovely environs of the Costa Coffee in Burton. Both being the park animals we are, we're, we're settling in to enjoy some flapjacks and a couple of lattes. It's Sunday, it's the day after the Burton Sci-Fi and Fantasy Con where I attended, um, I was invited along by Bruce Cunning, Cunnington. Cunnington, Bruce Cunnington. Uh, whose name I always get wrong and I apologize Bruce if you end up listening to this. I don't know why, I don't know why. But uh, DCC Bruce invited me along to run some games. And after being challenged by Colin Green, I ran some 5th edition basic starter stuff using uh, Barrow Maze, which seemed to go pretty well. You played in one of the games, didn't you, Matthew? I very much enjoyed it, John. Thank you very much for running it. No problems. We had Pete Jones down from um, Dragons Are Real podcast, my fellow co-host of Purple Worm, along with Colin Spike Pitt and Dave Aldridge. And it was nice to actually meet Pete in person again. We've only met once before. Um, we had a couple of other anchorites, so Shandy Andy and um, Barry come down. So nice to meet some of those people. And we also had a, a smattering of other people, and including one young woman who'd not played D&D or any roleplay games before, but really got into it and sort of embraced the spirit of what it was about. Well played for the very first time. Indeed, which was great to see, and she really seemed to enjoy that. We had I guess, five character fatalities during it. I was there for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was be- I, I put some house rules in where basically partly for for speed because I wanted it to be a rolling game with a number of different sessions. So it was only a one day con with sort of slightly limited time. Um, I ended up doing three sort of two hour sessions, but um, I made the rule that if you hit zero hit points, you are brown bread. There was no like. 80 million death saves or anything like that that you've got to make to avoid it. So the sort of casualty and danger level was, I think, probably more in line with the sort of OSR style of game. Yeah, lethal. Yeah. But smart choices usually mean you're all right. Yeah, I mean, I was, um, although I've got the OSR version of Barrow Maze, I actually have the PDF version of the 5th edition, so I was using the 5th edition stats and everything that went along with that. But um, was the book you had was that the actual? That, that was the OSR version. Yeah, I printed okay. a copy of the OSR version because I thought, well, that's all the random tables in, and they're the going to maps and everything. You need, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sense. But um, I printed out the the fifth edition monster section from my PDF, so I had that with me as well, just so I could do all the monster stats and have to recalculate things on the fly. So that that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it seemed to pretty well. As you say, I think they were, like I say, smart to the character action could avoid some of the dangers. Like in the game when we were doing Pete playing 
the bit where you were attacked by those sort of like frenzy like zombies that were charging towards you after you'd lowered yourself down like a hole into the chamber and you pretty much went well you said oh they're probably not smart enough to, re- to use a rope themselves let's get back with the rope and I was just sitting there with my crossbow and shoot at them until they died and at that point I was like well I'm not even going to actually make a roll for that because you're out of danger they're all still trying to scrabble at the bottom of this rope they can't use a rope it's an effective strategy yeah so I was just like right after a few minutes you have killed them and just with that one action you basically went that scene is dealt with we don't have to worry about it no more hit points lost no nothing dealt with and that, I mean I've, I've said this a number of times that's one of the things I like about sort of OSR mentality it's the idea of like partly the game's a bit sort of like a puzzle you know where you're, you're trying yeah. to work because you know you can't just beast into every situation and rely on your abilities to just smash your way through it with raw power you have to be a bit canny with it yeah. You have to be a bit sort of on the sly side, which I quite like. It's the thing that we're around the problem, right? Usually brute force will work. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because that's how we ended up unfortunately shuffling off this whole coil was when we kind of got cornered and we had to just fight our way out. Yeah. And I wasn't able to take the skeletons down in time. Well, that's that. I mean, I, I've, played in, I've played in a couple of like, edition games, and even when I'm low level, I know the power differential between that and OSR isn't quite so pronounced at low level, but even like, like first to third level when you're playing like a mage or whatever, a lot of the times you can still romp into a combat, fling a few spells, and you're probably going to be alright unless it all goes really big time. Even if you get knocked down, you've got all the death saves, one of your companions will probably get to you, you'll probably be alright. And it breeds a sort of a false sense of confidence to the point where when you do die in like normal fifth edition, you're almost like, oh, how did that happen? It's so unexpected. Yeah. Whereas when I've played various other games, I get into a combat, instantly I'm like, right, I know I'm quite fragile, so I'm looking for cover, I'm looking for a way to take advantage of what's going on. Excuse the noise, like I say, in a coffee place, and they're grinding those magic beans. <laughs> or brewing coffee. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the exact terminology. I'm not a massive coffee aficionado. I know I like it brown and I like it strong. That's, that's all I know about the coffee. And in a mug. Yeah, and in a mug. The servings, the servings are like weird, like glass things, which are actually quite nice, but it's freaking me out. They drink the coffee out. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. John feels fancy. I do, I feel like I'm betraying my working class roots. But, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think overall the convention went really well. A little bit tired this morning, but that's mainly because we stayed up watching out the colour out of space with Nicholas Cage in, which, surprisingly, I really enjoyed. And I think it's an, if you don't take it too seriously, it's a very good movie. If you like B-monster, like B-movie monsters, like sort of weird sort of mythos vibes and if you want to see a surprisingly toned down performance from old Nicky Cage at least initially up until the point where yeah he starts going mental as is the the fate of all Cthulhu antagonists <laughs> where he starts going mental and he just starts becoming more and more like the normal Nicky Cage as the film goes on but because you see him like a normal guy it actually works really well he's like really well cast in that movie so yeah a bit, bit tired we just wanted to record this last bit of audio so the day after just to say again really enjoyed the convention great to see everybody great to have Matthew down obviously I'm Pete down great to be down thanks for job for having me no problems you're more than welcome and hopefully I might run some fifth edition in the future you know with a few gas yeah with a, with a few adaptions because I really did enjoy the basic rules I'm not going to lie and I found once I've removed the few bits I didn't like 
as, and I'm not saying that like, I know there's a bit of a discussion this morning about it on the Discord sort of audio dungeon server where people were saying, oh, what do you mean like D&D 5th edition doesn't get any love? I'm not saying that 5th edition doesn't get any love. 5th edition gets loads of love. It's probably one of the most commercially widespread and possibly successful versions of D&D, certainly in recent years. And let's face it, it has unzipped its trousers and whizzed all over the profits of 4th edition, which, to be honest, I quite liked, but I know commercially it was a bit of a bit of a flop but um, after I'd removed the bits that I didn't like I actually found that as Spike was saying it's, it's still D&D it's just D&D and I really enjoyed it so I think I may be running that I mean Watsy have lured me back with that shiny shiny limited edition Eberron alternate cover book that I've got and I do love Eberron I've done ever since 3.5 days I've got all the books for that. So I'm already starting to think, like, oh, maybe, maybe I've fallen prey to my normal delusion, which I'm like, maybe, maybe I could fit an extra day. I mean, you know, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe if I petition the government to add an extra day to the week. Seven I can days just, a week? I'm only running games on, like, six of them. I have that extra day. Just I'm just like, I can manage nine days a week to run games. But, uh, yeah, I'm thinking maybe at some point in the future I would I would really love to run an Everon game. Just, I love the second. I think it's fantastic. I love the Dragon Marks. I love the... And I was saying this to Pete before he left earlier on. I love the fact that it's, it's quite a high magic setting. So you've got like elemental airships, you've got like the lightning rail, you've got stuff like you've got the Dragon Marks, you've got a whole class of sort of like working mages, or I think called Mage Rites, if I remember correctly. And, but despite all of that magic, it doesn't feel like the stereotypical like high fantasies game it's not like everyone's like riding around with like pegasi and like griffins and any sort of like courtly knightly flamboyant it still feels like quite gritty and almost sort of it's almost got a bit of a 1920s like 1950s sort of vibe about it like you said that sort of noir sort of vibe to it which i really enjoy i think that's a, a quality edition club the dnd sort of campaign world I like those incorporated um, pieces of technology into the same. Yeah. Well, I like it's done in a sensible way. So I've often heard people when they say, oh, uh, high magic, and they're like, oh, well, why doesn't everyone just do everything with magic? But despite the fact there is a lot of magic around in everyone, there's still challenges, there's still stuff going on. It's not a case of magic has solved everything. Right. It's not a case of whenever there's a problem, we just get a wizard to do it. It's actually created a lot of problems as well. Well, that's it. I mean, you've got like, yeah, you've got the Warforged, which, if Fremwood doesn't know, they're basically like a sentient race of sort of living constructs that were created to fight in the last Great War. And now the war's over. What you do with them? Yeah, no one knows what to do with them because, like, they're effectively sentient. So there's a the whole sort of like sentient race of rights sort of argument or are they more machines are they property they're like, they're like the droids in Star Wars in some ways they're treated like sentient creatures and it's acknowledged they can become sentient but in other ways they're just treated like property people can memory wipe them they can do whatever they want with them and it, it's an uncomfortable sort of dichotomy but it's very compelling for like telling stories I think as well in the Warforged case I think there's a lot. Is a tree stone hole which states they can't make any more as well? Yes, yeah, they can't make any more. But isn't it this one? One of the sort of like plot threads in 3.5 is that there was like an outlaw sort of forge somewhere, just like maybe the Lord of Blades, or I think it was. I think he's a, he's an evil, he's a warforge just like really gone against humanity. Yeah, I think in the, in the, um, the, the 3.5 books, I believe it, 
one of the rumours was like he'd still got one of those forges working in the Mornlands, and he was like knocking out Warforge like on the sly. Which I don't think they ever followed up. I think it was just like a little bit of a rumour or an adventure hook. But I love that idea because as soon as you, I don't, I don't care whether they're Warforged humans, out whatever. As soon as you make a law and say to like a race of people, you cannot do this. There'll be someone somewhere who'll be like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I think I will. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you cannot help. Them. But yeah. So hopefully I'll get around to running that at some point in the future. Possibly with Fifth Ed, I don't know, but I'm certainly more open to the idea now having run the the game at the con. And the main reason I'm talking about my experiences of running like fifth edition at this convention is because like quite a few people have asked me to give a report of it. And I know Colin wants to hear about how it went. And since he was the inspiration for me not using like OSR games but using fifth edition. Got to say, tip of the hat to you, Colin. It went really well. Top recommendation, mate. Would you describe it as D and D Crunch Zero? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd describe it as Crunch Zero. I think certainly as the the levels go up, there's a lot more options and a lot more sort of fiddly bits. But I think I think what it's done is it shifted the workload from one end of the process to the other end. So I think once you've got all your stuff on your character sheet, and as long as you know what your character can do. Yeah. that's grand the rest of it's fairly easy but I think there's more work to do that when you level up there's more options to choose from that's probably going to take a bit longer but as you get, get to an OSR game you're like oh I've leveled up there I've got X extra number of hit points I've maybe got an extra spell or two that is all oh, that my, my attack modifier has gone up that's it but um, I think there's a lot more choice in the 5th edition and that, that's great for players Totty. I mean myself when I'm playing in the game it's nice to be able to like, look at all the cool powers and go like Oh, what do you want for your characters? Oh yeah, you can maybe do this, or what? maybe I want to be like a maybe I want to be like a two-pistol fighter, I'm some sort of pirate or whatever, maybe I can go for this. And then it's all very interesting. I don't know how much of that detail I mean, I don't I, I wouldn't heavily go for like the optional feet system, I don't think. So that's just an extra level of complexity that I personally think I don't really need. But I can see why people like it. And it's nice to put it in there as an option for people. I mean, you don't have to use it if you don't want to, so... Exactly. It's optional. Yeah, exactly. So, before we wrap up, any last thoughts, uh, Matthew? Or? About the con? Uh, yeah, about the con, Aberon, whatever, you know. We're just chewing the fat I'm, and, like, drinking I'm our own coffee. i like, how, you, age men. how you find this version of Aberon. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see if you do, do a review of it or not. I'm, I'm hoping to, but... Um, as I said, my reviews take me quite a while to write, and um, it's quite a substantial book. Mm-hmm. And especially because I'm still not massively familiar with fifth edition, it'd take me a lot more time because I wouldn't have that innate knowledge of a system built in. So I'd probably have to like cross-reference things a lot more. But I do eventually want to do a review of it. Yeah, because I say it is one of my favourite settings. I might, I might try and do like. Um, before I do like a full review, I might try and do like a sort of ever on like overview, like dig, dig. Or a page through or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking more sort of like get that book, uh, dig out all of like, my old like three point five ever on books, and do like a sort of setting overview, and then sort of like talk like a little bit about how they did certain things like the dragon marks, how they did them in three point five, how they're doing them in like further edition, and then after that, once we've got that, can then maybe like segue into like a full review of that fifth edition version. I definitely like to do that. And like I said, I would love to run into one of my favourite samples. Right, well, I think that's it for us. I expect this is going to be the last um, segment I'm going to record on this podcast. So I'm going to head on with the outro in a minute. Until then, take care. Catch you soon.